Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the H2O Podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. Are you there? Tim? I am, and oh. I am Timothy Harvey. <laughs> okay. <sighs> He's waiting for his cue and everything, and I don't know. Did I mess up your cue? <clears throat> no, I, I, I think my managed to turn my audio off. So when, of course, we like to look at things like the YouTube comments that people are saying and things in the chat. Right. And there is the inevitable fact that as soon as I go to that, to make it live, it will turn into a very loud noise. Just because, you know, I'll have the, somehow, I'll, I'll have thought I turned the audio off on YouTube, but then of course it's, yeah. so, muted myself and then apparently didn't unmute myself, so. The, the odd part of it is, and I don't know, you may want to check your uh, microphone cable, because I get a crackle every now and again, like, you're not, you're not cutting out, but, uh, <sighs> It's not me. It's not me this time. It's not me this time. I'm. So that's a dangerous thing for you to say. Oh, now, now that's, it now that microphone. Dangerous thing for you to say. That that microphone's now not even on. <laughs> can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Now it's hear- now it sounds completely different. <laughs> like it's. Yeah, okay, I guess it is that mic. I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, hi, folks. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another, right? It's it, it, Look, it's not one thing after another. It's the same damn thing over and over. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's those weasels. Uh, speaking of it, which actually kind of kind of works toward our, our topic tonight because... We're talking about animals. It's 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 I, something that we've never. I don't think we've ever talked about before. I don't think we have either. I don't think we have. See, Dave, there in the chat. Hi, says uh, says hello, and we'll say hello back. Hello, hello. Um, but yeah, we, we there are so many other topics out there that are fraught, fraught. I say with undue stress and discombobulation and such and we we just said you know not tonight because <laughs> there are some things that we'll probably end up having to talk about sure um the i mean we're keeping an eye on the ezra miller thing that's that's out there um amber heard's gonna do her second round of stuff but that's uh, not anything we're going to talk about I completely care less about, I mean, I literally have no interest whatsoever in Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yeah. None. I, I understand people are excited, got feelings, and they're strong, and I just don't care. Um, Ezra Miller concerns me greatly because there's other people involved. If it was just one person melting down yeah. and, and clearly needing mental help and, or perhaps incarceration, whatever has got to be the best thing but there's other people involved that i'm that are whose safety is in question that concerns me yeah. so we'll come back to these things at some point but yeah there's just a lot yeah <laughs> even even leaving aside what warner brothers is going to do about it so you know, I, you know i i have to wonder if they even know what they're gonna they've got to have options on the table but i mean until until so, miller's found i what, can't i can't remember what which I mean, I think it was, I think it was a business site. I'm not, I'm not certain, but there was someone who broke down really the, the only real options in terms of what to do when you have a movie that is finished for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And you have an actor you need to get rid of. And of course they, they did it with Kevin Spacey. Um, and, but it's a different thing, right? I mean, it's, it, it's not a special, it was not a special effects laden movie. Right. Right. Um, and so every every option that they have is not a clean, easy fix. So whatever it's going to be, it's either going to cost them a lot of money or it's going to cost them a lot of money or it's going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah. 
And the question's going to become, you know, because the one thing that that people, everyone seems to agree on this, and I'm not sure it's a it's it's an accurate assessment. Everyone seems to think they can't just sit there and go, we're just not going to put it out. That could be an option, but it'll cost them a lot of money. But the question is, is which degree of cost you a lot of money are you going to go with? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, controversy sells things. Except, and and it's not. I mean, well, we're we're starting to to get into the weeds, but co- yes, controversy sells. But if you start to factor in possible criminal activity, it starts to get a little uh, a little dicey there. It's, how much you want to exploit that? The whole thing that, is, the whole thing so. is uh, there's there's a, a a term that we generally don't swear a lot on this show, but the phrase starts with the with the word cluster. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, a, it's a mess. So, I mean, yeah. it's my my biggest concern at this point is not Warner Brothers bottom line. Um, oh, no. There's a missing there's a missing 18 year old involved in all of this. And that is, you know, my kid, my kid is well past the age of 18, but I'm not so old and so removed from when my kid was not well past the age of 18 to not sit there and go. There's wow. a there's a there's essentially there's a kid sorry sorry 18 year olds yeah there's a kid out there that's they're my concern right now everything else is just noise well not only that but you know being a parent your child at any age right. disappears right. and you're that's your that's your number one focus anyway, yeah, anyway, but you know we, we 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 again my apologies to, to teenagers everywhere <laughs> but you're stupid <laughs> yeah when you're 18, you're stupid. I was, no. I was stupid. Everyone I knew was stupid. We didn't. And the thing is that we think we're so smart. Mm-hmm. When you're that age, you think, and, and you're, and you know, the world actually expects you to make adult decisions. But the problem is, is that your you brain, don't always get it right, and most of the time you get it wrong. Well, your brain hasn't caught up yet. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's my concern right now yeah. everything else is just like you know whatever i mean we'll deal with that later there's a, there's a there's a missing there's a missing 18 yeah. right now that so the that that particular topic is out there we will circle back to it i'm sure and yeah. and stuff uh, as as things develop but uh but tonight uh, i just figured okay just just to be a little bit far afield of where we normally go because we don't normally we we haven't i don't think we've ever covered this topic in in 10 years of doing this show i don't think that we've ever covered this topic so we're going to talk about cats and dogs tonight um dogs and cats living together mass mass hysteria hysteria. yes we got we got we got dogs and cats we have dragons we've got horses we've got uh, Flurkins. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things. I I jotted a few notes down and and some different well, things. A, we, so. We've got a we got a Disney Super Pets movie coming out, or not Disney. We got a Warner Brothers Super yeah, Pets Warner movie Brothers coming Crypto out. Yeah, Warner Brothers Crypto and Ace and Ace the Banner. I'm looking forward right. to that just simply because I want to hear Keanu Reeves play Batman. So yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. There was I, a um I uh, can't remember which of the current Batman titles it's in, but there's a um. It's Tales of the Dark Knight or something or whatever that's current, they're currently running right now. It's basically an anthology title, mm-hmm. and Ace has been one of the backup stories. Oh, okay. And it's Ace and a bunch of other um, animals. Um, some of the other animals I've been experimented on are all basically captured by this. It's essentially a um, criminal mastermind running their own gaming arena. And they auction off the. They put you know they pit people against each other. Blah blah blah. Batman gets caught, and okay. he ends up having to fight in the ring. And the and and so you've got him doing that on on part of the story. Then you've got Ace dealing with the fact that he that he's trying to help these other animals escape. Um, gotcha. And it's uh, so you know all the Ace stuff is told without dialogue. Um, and so it's it's. Uh, an enhanced turtle that someone has seen fit to <laughs> equip with super speed, uh, a bear whose intelligence has been ramped up. Um, I think there's another. An- I think there's another animal. I can't remember. Uh, but 
I've, I've been enjoying the series as it goes because it's like, you know, they get this, the, the artwork is, is the animals are done in a realistic style. Right. And so it's a, you know, is it, the, uh, is it as good as Captain Carrot and the zoo crew? So Captain Carrot and the zoo crew. So, so here comes the question of <clears throat> define animal because anthropomorphic animals are animals, but they're not what we think of when we think of, you know, Jonesy from Alien. Yeah. Right? Um, who, by the way, is, you know, the true hero of the first Alien film. Absolutely. Um, on the other hand, being a cat... <laughs> I'd say maybe more an anti-hero. Yeah, because it doesn't have to save anyone. Um <laughs> Yeah. It gets cuddles at the end. I mean, this is this is a cat with a plan. You know, um, you know but um, so you got the zoo crew. You've got, um, you know, some uh, Tawny the tiger. Or uh, what is it? Um, is that is that Captain Captain? That's Marvel? Captain is Marvel's that... tiger. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got the apes from the Planet of the Apes. I mean, strictly mm. speaking, they're animals. Yeah. But. So I, I think, I think that, I mean, <clears throat> we don't have to make that distinction between, you know, the, this is just an actual animal. This is a dog. This is a cat. I mean, Dean Koontz on the horror side of things, Dean Koontz Watchers series, uh, watch series. It's not even a series. It's a book. And it's been turned into, you know, there was like six, five, six Watchers movies, of, none of which got the story right. Right. <laughs> basically they were all remakes <laughs> well and uh um, loves his dogs dave talks about uh aliens posing posing as animals i mean you've got the flurkin in the marvel series you have the cat from outer space mm -hmm. sure. which is a cat but he's from outer space so technically he's an alien cat i am still gonna call uh um BS on alien cats and spaceships. There's no opposable thumbs, guys. I mean, if they, <laughs> if it shown the cat with opposable thumbs, I would completely believe it. But I, when I have cats, I, there is actually <laughs> they don't have opposable thumbs. There is actually a breed of cat that does. Um, my my when I was in college, my roommate and I, he had a cat that had. Six toes on the and one of them was kind of an opposable thumb position toe. He had an extra toe on his on his front paws, and uh, it was a very weird cat. <laughs> well, see, and then there's the concern is that if you have enough of those cats and they're breeding true and they all have thumbs, then you're screwed because yeah. I I personally have a theory. That you you because you've got the cat from outer space, which was a, a Disney flick, and you've got that darn cat. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think they're the same cat because <laughs> they look the same. But yeah, I think I think they, I think I think they're the same cat. Well, there's a. Um... I, I don't think it'll be part of. I'm pretty sure it won't be part of this first season of the of the Sandman series. Um, but there's, yeah, I, th I think it would fall. I think it fall. It would fall in the second season, if I understand right. But it's called A Dream of Cats, and it's it's basically the there is a cat who's traveling the world, tr telling other cats the story of how it used to be when the cats ruled the world. And the only reason that humanity rules the world now is because enough humans got together and dreamed the same dream of a world where they were not constantly living in fear of the cats. And they all dreamed it together. And the Lord of Dreams, because of the power of dreams, made it happen. And the problem is, is that not enough cats get along to dream the same dream there you go 
But this cat has not given up traveling the world saying, <laughs> my brothers and sisters, we can, this, the world we live in is a lie and we can make it, we can restore the true world, but the other cats just won't listen. Typical cats. They basically. Right. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, there's, there's a, a number of stories in, in the Sandman, uh, uh, series that that kind of take this into basically this kind of dream logic, dream um, just dream stories that are not the main plot of the story. Where you have these little side stories and branch out into these sort of fairy tale, folk tale ish kind of things, which are going to be fascinating when we actually get, get them on screen because something like that's going to have to all be almost. It's going to have to almost be completely animated and maybe be this sort of beautiful kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, let's see. There was another, there was another cat that I, Oh, one of the, one of the, probably the more prominent cats that figures in a series of stories is Nimitz, the tree cat in the honor Harrington series. Um, they have an empathic, uh, they're telepathic with each other, but they have uh, they have an empathic bond with their humans. It's kind of like the dragons in Pern, where mm. you have that that mental uh, empathetic connection with the thing. I mean, they can't talk to each other telepathically, um, right. but Nimitz can transmit images and pictures and you know feelings like that. There's six limbs. So they have they have what they call their true hands and their feet hands and they're they've got six 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 legs six limbs and mm -hmm. they're they're killing machine buzz saws with the claws and stuff so it's that that's always been a fun one to watch that relationship develop over the over the twenty five or so books. That are in that series because Nimitz figures in quite prominently in a few of those stories. So, yeah, not not as not as passive as Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy's Jonesy is just concerned about making it through the day. Yeah, there's there's something big with teeth, and Jonesy just wants to stay out of the way. I, mean, I, I can you know, I can sympathize. It's it's not. It's not the most altruistic of behavior, but it's definitely a survival mechanism. And, and this is what you would expect from a cat. This is a cat completely behaving within the boundaries of its, you know, parameters. These are mm -hmm. these are acceptable feline parameters. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with the cat who walks through walls. Right. I mean, Pixel is. <laughs> Pixel is a thing. Um, the the the. The fascinating thing, of course, is that that really is this book that in many ways, it, I don't think, I'm not sure if it was the first of it, but it really was that point where Heinlein started leaning into his multiple universes and the the ability to cross from one universe to another. Yeah. That kind of was the origin of that because for so many of his stuff at the end um, would tie all of his books together in this like multiverse where all these, his character, a lot of his characters were crossing over. Um, and of course, Pixel appears in those later books as uh, uh, moving very easily moving from one universe to another. Pixel's adorable and completely impossible. So, <laughs> but you know, there's the, there's that always that theory is, you know, it makes sense. I mean, that the cat was not in the room. How is the cat in the room? Yeah. It's like that door was closed. Schrodinger's <laughs> cat in the box, not in the box. Uh, Robert says there's the cat from red dwarf. Who's evolved and uh, yes. and yes. you know uh, uh, developed intelligence and opposable thumbs, and yet was strangely less malevolent than you would think. I just don't understand that. <laughs> uh, speaking of 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 malevolent, well, I don't know if malevolence is the right word. A boy and his dog, Harlan Ellison. Yes, Blood the dog. Um and. And this, that's just a amoral, not not actively malevolent, but just a dog. Just a a, a dog with 
loyalty to one person and everything else is potentially food. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> everything is potentially food. <laughs> That's a film I have not seen in a while. Yeah. I remember not the last time I saw it, I don't know, I'm in a couple of decades. Um not being super impressed with the adaptation, but it's been so long, I'm not sure it's a safe and fair assessment. I'm wondering, uh, it's probably too old to be in the Twitch watch party list. Oh, that would I'd be, be real surprised. Yeah, it'd, it'd be I'm, interesting to see if it was there. Interesting to see if it would be, but I'm, I'd, I'd be surprised. No. Yeah, that would be... I don't know. Might be worth a, a another look since since we're entering into a new Cold War. All of those all of those nuclear Holocaust films are going to come back in vogue, right? Uh, there's a lovely thought. <laughs> right. Oh my, yeah. Yes. Well, Good times. Robert, it, it is best if they wait till after you're dead before they eat your eyeballs. It's it's the eating your eyeballs ahead of you actually being dead, which is very uncomfortable. Yeah, that would that would. That would not be. It's just a lot. Uh, uh, other other dogs, because um, you got the dog that was in. I am legend. Sure. Right. Yeah. So very loyal companion. Now, now this is of course is the the Will Smith movie, yeah. as opposed to you know the. Is there a dog in Omega Man? I don't. I don't. I don't uh, think there I don't, is. I don't I recall remember. there being a. Uh, a main character dog yeah. or you know a dog is a character so much as I think a there's the probably a dog in the film um i think going back to um going back to the to the book i don't recall off the top of my head there being a dog as a character yeah. um but it makes sense it makes sense and in, in, in Really, considering the the effectiveness of that first part of the movie, right, where it is Will Smith and the dog and all of that. I mean, that whole easily the first half of the film is extremely effective. Um, I think for me, the the film loses some of that when you get your CG monsters. Yeah, um, and and it also loses the it becomes a monster movie at that point and then you know it's, it's an entertaining film but i'm still waiting on a truly truly good adaptation no of they'll come folks, around to it it's a vampire story it'll 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 get another remake i'm sure well, you know, and the thing is, is that it's been what you got the Vincent Price version, you've got the Charlton Heston version, you've got the Will Smith version. Yeah, there have been various other um, shows and and anthology series that have done riffs on it, mm -hmm. um, but none of them have actually gone into that whole. You know the the weirdly folk tale aspect of the ending that nobody has ever yeah the vincent price the vincent price is probably the most faithful adaptation but as much as i loved vincent price i think he's just a, a joy to watch i also think he's woefully miscast in that movie yeah he's good in it but he's like yeah but he's 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 in it because he's vincent price yeah and i, I think that i mean i'm not to say vincent price can't do action <laughs> and it's just it's just he's not and and part of that is of course just the the vast majority of the stuff that he did he sort of yeah. cemented his role right. we talked about character actors you know where people can you know they get sort of stuck in a in a uh, a role or or everybody wants to see him in that role they don't get to play other things so i'm i, I don't begrudge vincent price for you know having taking the opportunity but the i just is, I think he's just not quite the right person for that part. Uh, but it's uh, I own the movie and it's my favorite of the of the adaptations. So. Oh. Um, 
speaking of adaptations, whoa. Speaking of dogs, <laughs> there goes, there goes, guest office dog. What was that? My goodness. All right. So speaking, speaking of uh, adaptations, uh, you've got the 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 Hobbit, the Hobbit adaptations with Smog, the the dragon. I mean, if we want to go that direction, not just dogs and cats, but uh, well, if you're you gonna know, go with with Smog, then you have to go with uh, Falcor the Wish Dragon. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And the poor horse. Yes, Artax. Uh. How to traumatize children in one easy step. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, Robert's got a good point. Harrison Ford would have done pretty well in an Omega Man adaptation. Um, yeah. When he I was younger. That, uh, not it, now. But. About the same period, maybe somewhere in... The Blade Runner years, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and I think that uh, there there are, there are quite a few actors I think who could, who could play the part, and I think that there is because um, it's not <sighs> Hollywood does not necessarily like things that are not clear cut genres. <laughs> right? right and so they make something like i am legend into this action monster movie as opposed to a horror movie with philosophical overtones yeah and there's not that much action in the book, but when it's there, it matters. So I think that again, like that first half of of Will Smith's version, where it was about building that world and shaping, giving you that sense of it, you know. And then, yeah, I mean, there's there's a dear Hollywood. <laughs> I should like to take a chance at adapting. I am Legend. Is it and in the public domain yet? Do you know? I don't, I don't I know if it is. I do not believe it is. I don't think so. But that's a... Mm, it's got a fantastic ending. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, public domain stuff, that's that's always kind of interesting to, to see what's out there because The Wizard of Oz is in the public domain. And it's one of those where, well, you know, you've got Toto and you've got, you know, anthropomorphic animals with the with the cowardly lion. And sure. the, the winged monkeys. So, yeah. <laughs> Toto actually proves to be fairly, uh, fairly important in one particular scene, at least in the movie, when he pulls the curtain back and it's like, oh. Who is this? Well, there have been a bunch of different adaptations of those those stories that have have done everything from making it high fantasy to straight up horror to um, uh, science fiction. Of course, with the, the sci fi channel that had a couple of different riffs on it, right? And some of the. Uh, there's been some interesting, interesting stories that have rolled out of it. There's a whole, there's a book series I think that turned into a comic series based on the with the Mad Hatter being the main character, and he's a he's a um, assassin. Uh, oh, and, from the uh, Al from the Alice in Wonderland stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's there's different ways of playing with things like Oz and, and Alice in Wonderland that I think a lot of folks have been. Some of it, some of it is like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> yeah. great. But some of it's rather, rather interesting. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, we're everyone's so familiar with just the one Oz book, and it's like they don't seem to realize there's a whole bunch of books. Yeah, there's a whole series, guys. And there is there there was there was an attempt to adapt the rest of them um you had this you had this one movie called return to oz that was produced by a young man named george lucas 
So and the, it's, it's the thing is, is, is that there are some films that occupy that space so almost like it's almost like a singularity, right? You can't, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't go into that space. It just doesn't work yeah. because there it's so embedded in the public consciousness that, you know, the, I mean, and maybe that's something that, that <clears throat> Hollywood needs to learn is that, you know, just leave some things alone uh, because <laughs> you can't, because, because the because no matter how good intentions, all the money in the world thrown at it, sometimes you're just not going to hit with an audience because the thing you're trying to remake. Mm -hmm. And I'm right. not. And look, there, look, there have been some fantastic remakes. There, you know, I mean, we mentioned Planet of the uh, the Planet of the Apes. Apes. Quite frankly, the the most recent series generally is very very well regarded. It's not remaking the original mm. stuff is, is telling that kind of story a different way. Right. But I think that you, there's some things it's like, I don't know, maybe need, maybe need a few more generations in between the audience and, and that classic. Right. So that before you can really kind of try and <laughs> there's just some actors. It's like, and we've recast this part. The actor has been dead for several decades. It's like, nope, sorry, can't see anybody else in that role. Yeah. Well, and and you know, I think that's one of the one of the things, one of the reasons why uh, you have such a pushback on things like uh, the the Kelvin Track movies, mm. where you have the cast is uh, fairly okay as those characters but at the same time you sit there and go do we really need to recast jim kirk and and now you you know you ask do we really need to cast chris you know recast christopher pike and robert april and uhura and you know that kind of thing because now we've got a second recasting of Uhura in particular well, with, I, with Strange New World. I mean, this is this is a topic we can go into a, in more depth on another show. But as someone who's who's actually enjoying Strange New Worlds, I think the difference is, and I think why people have been more more receptive, is that we got really one episode or two episodes, depending on how you watched it one episode of that character and that crew yeah and so it feels like you know if that's your base and then these other characters coming in where we see them as younger characters it feels less like we're replacing everyone with brand new shiny people it's <laughs> you know it, it it has a different feel and i think i think that that ends up being part of i think audience reaction is yeah. that you don't feel like all your favorite actors are being replaced. It feels like more homage than it feels like. Um, and, and, you know, you, you still might not like it and that's fine, but I think, I think it's just a completely different um, entry point, I think, because mm -hmm. it's coming in through um, a character who a large portion of Star Trek fans you know, may have only seen that episode or column episodes. Um, you know, it not as many times as they've watched. They've watched the Wrath of Khan, right? right? Yeah, you've watched Wrath of Khan twenty times. You've seen the cage twice. You know, I've I mean, watched it, you, Wrath you of God that. more than twenty times, sir. Well, I've seen the cage more than twice. Yeah, so. Dave. Uh, Dave has a question. I know Gary Kurtz produced Return to Oz, but was George Lucas a producer behind the curtain? That's a good question because in the in the official credits listing on IMDb, George Lucas is only there under the special thanks section. Yes, Gary Kurtz was an executive producer, but I have to wonder because at the time I remember I remember a lot of discussion about George Lucas did an Oz movie. You know, there was that you know, association, maybe because Gary Kurtz was the executive producer, but there was that association 
between Return to Oz and George Lucas that somehow maybe morphed into George Lucas made Return to Oz because, you know, at the time, he and Gary Kurtz were all of a piece at that part, at that point. So, because they, well, they didn't split until There's a fair Return number of people who are, who are certain that so-and-so directed a film or it's like, no, no, they didn't. Oh, I didn't know this. I'm what? looking at the trivia just to see about what George Lucas' involvement was. Director Walter Murch invited friend George Lucas to visit the set one day. During that visit, Lucas wandered to different sound stages where he came across producer Rick McCollum working on a small film. The two became friends and later collaborated in the Star Wars prequels. Oh, that fateful day. So we have more to blame Return to Oz for than just Return to Oz. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I just, well, special thanks means it, a lot of different things yeah it could I mean, be it's kind of like, kinda like of executive producer um or just producer in general or associate producer so oh so okay so associate producer means i owe you money <laughs> um producer means you gave me money <laughs> executive producer means you gave us a lot of money i well special now, thanks means i actually know you and you're my friend and you helped me out when i was having a really bad day yeah and i was drinking a little too much thinking about this script and you came in and said it's going to be okay that's yeah. special thanks. now i when i made uh when i made my feature the associate producer credit went to a guy who connected me with the guy with the money I was like, okay, well, if you hadn't, if you hadn't connected me with this guy, if you hadn't done your part in, in, you know, sending emails and setting up the, the meet and, and hi, how are you in the handshake, then there wouldn't be a movie. So I'll give you an associate producer credit. So the, the ones to pay attention to are the ones who are just producers and line producers. Yes. The line producers are so, very important. Those are those, when you see those names, those are the ones who actually, they're like, ah, they but you worked. don't you don't get line producers in film though. The line producers you see mostly in television. Yeah. And I don't know. I can't remember the last time I've seen a line producer credit in anything. You know, I would you, have to take a look. I you get you get so many. I mean, nowadays you have twelve dozen executive producers and co-executive producers. It's almost like that's become the ubiquitous associate producer thing that we used to have. Now everybody is an executive producer. You get to be an executive producer, and you get to be an executive producer. And so you much get of this stuff is co-produced by different companies, yeah. and and most of those people are like the execs in those companies. Yeah. No. I. Right. I, yeah. And and I think that and and to some degree, all these different companies doing the producing means you get the high budget, whatever it is. Yeah. Because the costs are spread around, and it's all become so expensive to make some of this stuff now that that's how it gets made but at the same time it's like i've watched a minute and a half of credits and i haven't seen anything in the movie happen yet and all i've been you know it's five actors and 120 producers <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway. anyway okay so um let's see okay we mentioned artex and falcor i've got i've got my list i'm 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 checking them off as well we go. k9 from Doctor Who. Yes. Now, now, yes, a couple, couple of qualifiers. Yes, he's a robot. Yes, he's an intelligent speaking robot. But. But he's a good boy. He's a very good boy. <laughs> and um, the working canine on the set broke down so often. <laughs> That there are so many, so many moments that it's like, surely K9 should be part of this story. Yeah, but he's back in the TARDIS for reasons. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, Otherwise known as he's just not rolling across the floor today. Yeah, and it's like Bruce and John. We're out on the moors and there's just no way to build a track. And yeah. <laughs> this is back before they had the technology to make him fly. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, so, he doesn't. He doesn't really yeah, fly. But there's, there's a 
one of these days we need to have these um do an episode on on spin-offs that aren't actual spin-offs they're like <laughs> we've got the name of the thing yeah you're talking about yeah. the australian canine series aren't you yeah yeah which i've seen and Uh-huh. It's it's definitely a thing for younger audiences and it's definitely on its own leaving aside its connection to Doctor Who. It's perfectly fine younger audience entertainment. Sure. It is it is relatively inoffensive in that regard. That was called Canine and Company. Is that what that? Is well, that no, Canine Company was the one that actually had that was the BBC uh, was one. Little side in it. Okay. Um, this was, I think, it was just Canine. I'm not sure. Now I'm gonna look. But it, it, it was fine. It was fine. It was. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's connection to Doctor Who is so just you know completely in name only um so i think in the in the original um glenn larson show they did actually have a monkey in the suit uh yes in Battlestar galactica you're talking about muffy yeah um boxy yeah boxy, boxy, was, the boxy was the kid yeah um otherwise known as we've written a love interest in this show and a child into this show we have no idea what to do with what them let's kill one off and Push the other one to the edges of the show as much as possible until we have to well, acknowledge his existence. Now, to be <laughs> to be fair, they killed off Serena because Jane Seymour wanted to leave the show. Otherwise, she'd have still been there. And you would have had a, a perfectly normal, you know, healthy relationship between a man and a woman and and a woman's boy and and you know the whole step step family thing mm-hmm. and all of that there was a lot of potential there but she wanted out uh, quite frankly i don't particularly blame her you know i have to wonder if the network had stuck by it and said, okay, you get another season. Even even though, because nowadays ratings are a completely different beast right. than oh, back sure. then. But if they had stuck with, because, you know, it turned out to be popular enough. They went back to, you know, and did Galactica 1980, which was uh, abysmal. But if well, they had continued. Galactica I, I know, right? If they had continued Battlestar Galactica another season yeah you'd still get some reused shots but there was a whole lot more potential there i think than than what we got and yeah i mean didn't have enough time the the opportunity to do something like you know the when when you go back and do the they're getting another one right um a reimagining is um they didn't have to deal with that particular set of rules that meant it got one season it was done and it just yeah the idea that this wouldn't actually this would have the legs that it had and and well or i mean as much as as much as i there's a certain amount of me that's always gonna have nostalgia for that show just because of when it was you know how old i was when it came out but it's a very clunky show. I I think it's worth. I I think we would. I think it'd be worth doing a doing an episode and having a conversation about this because Battlestar Galactica, as it was originally conceived, was not supposed to be a TV series. Right. It was supposed to be a set of t- made for TV movies, and Star Wars happened. And ABC said, you know what? We want to make it into a series. So this three-hour movie became the first three episodes of the series. In the se- There was no plan for a series. It was, we're going to make a movie. And then ABC says, you're going to make more than that. You're going to make us money. And then they didn't. Well, and, and of course, the problem is, is that it comes right down to it. Uh, movies cost more yeah. than TV episodes, 
especially in those days where you didn't have a budget of yeah. here's twenty million dollars an episode. Well, and if you have, you know, if you have a budget for a movie for a two-hour movie, it's much different than having a budget for twenty-two hours of TV, TV series. Oh, yeah. You know, a whole season because back then. Your TV series, you know, your TV seasons were anywhere from 20 to 24 episodes. And that would have changed a whole lot of things in how they did stuff. Oh, because, sure. Well, I mean, consider, the that, consider that the one of the great things that so many people absolutely hate about series television is the bottle episode. Yeah. Or the clip <laughs> episode. Oh, yes. And every season, every series has it. Next Generation had one. And it exists purely because they need to spend some money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Well, the original and Star Trek, the, the, the Menagerie, it's the only two-part episode sure. in the whole series, and it's got mm -hmm. repurposed footage from the cage because right. there's there's budget issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Robert, it, and Robert says, religion as genre fiction may be a, a future topic for us to discuss. I think we, mm -hmm. I think we talked about talking about it but i don't think we've actually i think i think we have it, it's been a topic before i think because i remember us talking about um oh no i'd have to go back and look that that may be as far back as when we were just an audio show yeah could could, could very well be um but yeah i mean there's the the thing is is that um there's faith in science fiction is is definitely got some potential because there's there's some lovely uh, just different ways it is going to the future and, and oh you're robo ways where it's been you robo robo tim robo tim hang on it was that was yeah you kind of froze there too low system resources may affect your audio quality i got a i got a pop-up here uh oh why i'm not doing anything any different than i always do it's a brand new internet box. I just got it last week. Hey, I've got I've got fiber, and periodically my internet sits there and goes. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Well, if you've got fiber, I should never break. have any problems coming from you. <laughs> uh, Death Angel Shadow it says uh, I like the original BSG better. I did appreciate the military feel of the new one, especially in the miniseries of the new one. The the minis, yeah, I. The reboot, the miniseries of the reboot was much better than the series. The series went off the, the rails after the time jump. The, the, I, I, we, I've mentioned this before, I think, and it, certainly I know Jason and I have talked about this, is that I am a fan of when people try and do something different. Yeah. They don't succeed. But at least they try to do something different. And do go some interesting places with the the TV series. They just didn't always work. Star Galactica at the end of Lost. You know, I mean, yeah, that's what. I, yeah, because Jason's kind of freezing yeah, on my end over here too. I'm not so. sure. I'm not sure what's doing it. It's saying, close some applications. I don't. I don't have very much in the way of applications that are open to close. I mean, I've got I've got browser windows open to monitor everything, but um, let me. I'm I'm closing because I've I had a couple of things that I thought was open but aren't open, so I don't know. Let me just turn a couple of things off. That's. Maybe that'll as well, as one by one the children one by one the children are picked off. It's eventually revealed that it's it's pig pen. He's just had enough. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Or it's, it's the Great Pumpkin. It's the Great Pumpkin. That's right. It's it's the Great Pumpkin is a horror movie. And, I, yeah, honestly, and this Great could Pumpkin be a lot turns out fun. to be like Jack a, Pumpkinhead or something, right? 
there we go. There's the crossover we need. Clive Barker writes Peanuts. I want it. Oh my god. That would be so much that would be just demented as 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 anything. That would be great. Yes. There's a that's a webcomic. Someone needs to someone needs to go off and do that and, and give us a uh, um <laughs> All right. Um, that would be disturbing. There are, well, of course, you know, Snoopy is, of course, one of the great drug, uh, dogs of, of genre. Think about it. He's a he's a dog who communicates with a bird. Um, uh-huh. And they go, and, and of course, he goes on adventures all the time uh, with his, his, you know, which may or may not be happening. There's some heavy indications that there's, you know, some of those adventures in the flying... Uh, uh, doghouse may actually be true um and of course calvin and hobbs oh yes uh, you know i mean the tra- the transmogrifier alone but yeah hobbs is definitely uh definitely mm-hmm. a, a genre animal oh yeah well and i think that that there's because because so many of us do have pets we have dogs we have cats um, we have birds, we have lizards. We're all, so many of us are familiar with the idea of a companion, and it only makes sense that genre fiction is going to have that as well. And because you're able to do stuff in in science fiction, you can sometimes you can make that you know, you can give you can give your cat or the dog the ability to communicate in a way that you don't necessarily get from your animals in real life. I mean, you so many so many dogs and cats, especially dogs and cats in science fiction have been uplifted, you know, like the David Brin stuff where of course the uplift, that's a different thing, but yeah. um, the idea that, that we could communicate with these animals, I think is part of that is, is wish fulfillment because, you know, you've got, you've got the, your incredibly loyal dog who you wish could sit there and say, you know, tell you what they're really thinking. Or the cat that comes over and you know sleeps next to your head all the time, um, and purrs, and and you, we kind of always want to know if our animals really love us, right? Um, because they're animals; they they see things differently than we do by by nat- the nature and the idea that that we can communicate, they could tell us that they are our friend or that they love us or that you know uh, they appreciate us. Um, I think some of that is comes down to you know wish fulfillment and get you know on the horror side of things you get somebody like dean koontz um you know you get a, you get a very real sense reading through if you read enough dean koontz you kind of get the idea that dean koontz likes animals more than he likes people <laughs> um, and and that's fine um you, you understand that dean koontz is is a is a big fan of the second amendment um has a deep religious streak and thinks that if all of humanity went away and there were only dogs, he'd probably be okay. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, so I have looked through the archive list for our first 150 episodes, which were all audio only, and I don't see anything... Uh, I don't I see any covering we religious. talked about Canical, Canical for Leibowitz. Now, we've talked about canon, and we've talked about faith in terms of faithful adaptations of material... But we've yeah. never actually—I don't—I don't know that we've ever actually gotten into religion. I don't. I, I want to say we have, I, but I can't. I—I don't—I don't remember for sure. That's right. That's right. It means it's an untapped. It's an untapped space. I think that there's um, certainly, certainly some some. While science fiction doesn't always go into that space, there are certainly stories that have. Canticle for Leibowitz um, is, of course, one of the great. Um, incorporations of of faith into a science fiction setting. The yeah. Dune series, um, quite frankly, I mean, and we did we don't get into this in in at least the first half of of the new movies. Yeah. Is so much of that is modern religions extrapolated into ten thousand years from now, and how they're different. Well, and you've um, got Deep Space Nine, which explores religion as well for the Bajorans and sure. stuff. Uh, well, and I think that, that while well, Star Trek tends, to, example, Star Trek tends to stay away from from 
current religions having a, a particularly strong presence, you actually have that, like Strange New Worlds, that there are actually characters who have talked about, you know, Christopher Pike talks about his religious faith, I think, in the first episode. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not a big deal. It's just a statement of, and then it's just part of the character as you go forward. So yeah. uh, I think there's there's definitely play, places where some of this stuff works. Horror, of course, you get into... Um, Horror, horror goes into religion in a lot of different ways. Um, and I would disagree. Dune is not atheism. Atheism. Dune is um, uh, the, the danger of unchecked belief in anything, including religion. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with... nothing. In, well, okay, the, the Bene Gesserit have a very particular view on religion what a lovely tool <laughs> yeah. all right but that's a that's a topic for another day um i it do is. we are we are going to have to wrap up here really quick because i've got another appointment here in about half an hour but i don't want to leave without mentioning the most important well one of the most important i guess you could say three the three most important animals that are in genre all right cheetah silver and benji because Benji is Benji is now is, is a genre dog, you know, big, you know, Benji, Benji the Benji, you know, Benji, the one you're always thinking about that scruffy looking right. dog, oh heavenly dog, mm-hmm. is genre. It is a it is right. a Fair you know Chevy Chase comes back to Earth after getting killed in order to solve his murder, and he's in the body of a dog, played by Benji. Uh, which also and, and it's, Jane Seymour it's, it, it's some of Chevy Chase's finest movie work. <laughs> uh, uh, Death Angel Shadow, you need to read Dune again. Catch up. Uh, we just uh, uh, Mindy's going through them now. Um, I think she's on the third. She's starting a third book. Children of? Uh, no, well, no. Uh, fourth one then. Whatever's the next one. It was God it? Emperor. God Emperor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Highly recommend that. I recommend David Weber's book, the Honor Harrington series. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll probably come back to this because Super Pet, you know, League yeah. of Super Pets is coming out soon. I mean, and it does look like that. fun. It does. It really does. I hope I, it. Li- I hope it lives up to the potential. We'll see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much that has, dis- you know, maybe we ought to talk about that at some point. The the projects that had so much potential and they ended up disappointing everybody. Or the trailers that we sat there and went, I really want to see this movie. And then the movie came out. You're like, why did I want to see this movie? Yeah. What happened here? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's worth exploring as well. Trailers that lie. Trailers that lie. <laughs> Or give us all of the good stuff in the trailer, then there's nothing left. Right. Right. <laughs> How could you only have two minutes of content in your entire movie? <laughs> Godzilla, nineteen ninety-eight. The trailer was not bad. Yep. Yep. All right, yeah. that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Thanks very much for being here. I see all of you there in the chat. Thank you for uh, participating in the conversations. And if you do have topics that you would like to suggest for us to talk about, you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi4me.com, or you can leave a comment here. And um, check out the rest of the other shows, all of the different things that we've got going here. We do have, coming up tomorrow night, let me get to it here. Not that one, not that one, this one. The Ranker Pit, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. We'll be talking about the latest episode of... Obi-Wan Kenobi, at least somebody will be. Uh, Michelle and Natalie from Force of Light Entertainment will be our guests, and we'll be talking about Kenobi. And uh, that discussion could go sideways or, or not. The last couple of times, the last couple of weeks, the Ranker Pit has devolved into 10 minutes of talking about Kenobi, rant for about half an hour and then gung and seahorse theory and whatever else we talk about because because kenobi is not worth the time so anyway it's one of those things but yeah 
uh, Ranger Pit tomorrow night, and uh, we've got more live from the bunker all week, and 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 we'll see what happens. So anyway, all right, that's it for us, folks. Uh, socials, social media, newsletter, tip jar, video channels. All right, we're done. <laughs> Thanks for being here, everybody. Good night, folks. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2022, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 